0: Welcome to a Canadian investing in the U.S. a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Uh, welcome to another episode of a Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Rock Thomas. Um, Rock, let's uh, give us a bit of an intro to yourself, and we'll go from there.
1: Well, I'm a Canadian also living in Phoenix right now. I grew up in Montreal, Canada, and I my parents got divorced when I was five. I lived in the city. Then around eight and a half, I moved out into the country and lived on a farm where my father remarried. And by the time I was 17, it was time to leave home because my father paid me 25 uh, percent of minimum wage to work around the farm. Yeah. And I realized yeah. that leaving home, I could make a lot more money. And I um, I worked hard basically from 17 to about 29, 30, just doing you know working, driving a taxi, bars, uh, cutting lawns, carpentry, etc., restaurant work because my whole identity was around working hard, because that's what I learned in the farm. We are all part of our programming. And so when you're told over and over again, life is difficult and life is hard work, and that's what you experience, and that's what you see, then that's what you end up, you know, your past becomes your predictable future. But I met a mentor in my late 20s that um, my father got sick. I took some time off to take care of him. I ended up getting divorced, losing my three properties that I had bought by then, losing my job in the airlines. And back on my mom's couch at the age of 30, um, in debt and spending far too, far too much time at the bar, feeling sorry for myself. And eventually went out to an open house and decided I was going to become a real estate agent. It looked really easy. <laughs> you just have to show <laughs> around the house and go, this is a living room and this is the bathroom and you make like $10,000 commission. So I'm like, I could do that. Yeah. Well, Glenn, there's a lot I didn't know that I didn't know. It's not that easy. And so the first year I made one sale, um, I worked at a senior citizen home at night to pay for the money, money to have gas in my car. And then I met a guy who says, I see you putting in a lot of effort. He recruited me over from Royal LePage to Remax. And he says, I'm going to mentor you The next year, I made 32 sales, then 45, then 65, then 99. And then I bought the company, the REMAX (laughs) franchise. I took it from 94 agents to 275, from 300 million in sales to over a billion. And by the time I was in my mid-30s, I was making a million dollars a year. And that's when I started to get into real estate investment, which is what we were talking about before the show is there's active income and there's passive income and there's degrees of passive income and so i've become very passionate about helping people really understand uh, financial literacy around that and how to get out of the rat race how to get out from exchanging time for money and today i have 43 streams of income i've written two best-selling books i've got audio programs mastermind groups uh solar company jewelry company medical clinics um, and a whole bunch of investments in real estate and industrial and, and storage. And I don't have to work, but I like to push up against stuff and I like to to grow who I am and contribute to other people. So, so that's the,
0: the long, short version. (laughs) That gave me a bunch of questions right off the start. First one, super, probably super easy. What changed from year one to year two as a real estate agent, like having the coach, like what, what what was the difference between the first year and the second year? I'm, I'm sure you're not going to tell me it was the company you worked for. It was something else.
1: It was the company around me. Okay. It was the company I held. The most important thing is the people you surround yourself with and have, have the courage to surround yourself with people that are smarter, faster, healthier, more excited about life, and that are going to give you feedback on how you're showing up. And so... I was willing to put in the effort, Glenn. I came from a farming background. I was, I was not afraid of hard work, but I was running east looking for a sunset with my strategy. And I didn't know what I was doing, and I was too afraid and too embarrassed to ask for help. So I just kept on going out, knocking on doors, and failing. And you'll learn one of two ways, through experience, which is the longest teacher, or through wisdom, which is somebody else mentoring and you, coaching you. So when he came along, it was a game changer. Right. It's a game changer. Imagine that, uh, you know, you want to improve your golf game and, you know, Jack Nicholas shows up and he, you get to play with him every day. You're definitely going to get some insights that you didn't have. And because he's so certain and so experienced, he's not going to be making suggestions. He's coming from a place of credibility. And so the way that you transform rapidly is to go to somebody who's so confident in their methodology that they're going to transmit that to you with absolute certainty.
0: Great. I love it. Um, so you said now that you don't have to work. You've re- you've got to your uh, your numbers and everything else. And we talked briefly before that we started the show on passive and active income. Um, what does your business look like now? What did it look like at one point? Uh, and what did you do to go from having an active business to a more passive business?
1: I don't know how familiar your listeners are with uh, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrants. Yep. But um, I always find it's a really good way to describe where people are in the evolution of their their money story. And most people need a a money personality upgrade. And I'm in that business. (laughs) But just to give context is most, you know, most people work. They exchange time for money. They have a job. So so in that first quadrant, the second quadrant is they own a job is they're, you know, they're An insurance salesperson or a real estate agent or they have a small business like a dry cleaner or something like that they think they have freedom but they don't really they they have all the responsibility if you want really freedom which is what I realized is you got to go to the other side the right side of the cash flow quadrant is you got to become a business owner and the business owner I don't know if you would agree with me Glenn has a different set of skills
0: than somebody who's self-employed does that make sense Yes, it does. I've read the book too, but it, it does make sense because I think I, I like to think of a business owner, but I do way too much work. So I, I am a self-employed whether I like to believe it or not. I, I am working in my business and I know there's a huge difference.
1: And you're like 95% of the population have a job or they own a job yep. and they, they make 5% of the wealth. 5% of the people run a business and our investors and they own 95% of the wealth. Why is that? It's the simple power of leverage, leverage of people and systems or of money. And what happens typically is people that are small entrepreneurs are maybe making a million dollars in sales, but they're netting 150,000 or 200,000. That's not freedom. That's a decent living, but it's still a trap. By the time you pay taxes and you have a nice car and a decent house, you got nothing left. So, yeah in order to get to the other side, you've got to be able to scale in order to scale, you have to develop the skills of leadership, influence, running meetings, hiring, training, attracting talent, casting a vision, and a few others. So I've learned how to do that. And that's what my mentor taught me was how to go from being a great salesperson using strategy and leverage and systems and time management. And you know, the typical, um how to win friends and influence people get better with people uh, effective speaking course with dale carnegie i mean stuff that people kind of laugh at but actually really becomes helpful uh, negotiation courses um you know life is a negotiation yep. so learning uh, how to interpret people nlp hypnosis all those things that i've studied and so I started to get really good at casting this vision and getting people excited. I, I own a, two Keller Williams, a couple of hundred salespeople that that work for me uh, today is shifted from Remax. Um, yep. I have mastermind groups, and so when you can share your vision with people because you're excited about it, people will follow because most people don't have a vision. And then yep. what I do is I work myself out of a job. So I'm wearing the sales, the marketing, the human resources, the operations, the finance department, the main five, right? Yeah. So then I go do all five of those, like you probably are in your business or yeah. most of them. And then I go, which one do I hate the most? And so usually what I do is I get a personal assistant that can help me with all of them, right? Yeah. The minor things like photocopies and emailing and da 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 until I get more momentum and I can focus on sales, increase sales more, and then I get rid of one of the departments. Maybe it's marketing or maybe it's the finance or maybe I add somebody to the sales team, increase sales again, and eventually, like with many of my businesses, I have a director of sales. So I've taken seven businesses to seven figures. So in each one of those businesses, I have a director of sales. I have a CFO that oversees many of my companies, so the finance is handled. So that's how you scale the business, but it really requires a new set of skills, which most people think it should just be easy, and that's why they stay stuck in their job have you ever had this experience glenn where you you hire somebody into your business into your world or and then you don't have the time to train them properly or oh yeah yep Yep. (laughs) they mess things up yep like you know what let me just do it myself i know how to do it i know how to do it well and i guess i'll just stay here and and that's the trap right is that we don't have the time or the systems to teach people we don't attract the right people you know, for the longest time, I tried to pay people the least amount of money. Now, I measure the success of my my enterprises by how much I pay people. I want to be paying people at least six figures when they're running my sales department, not fifty thousand. How good are they going to be at fifty thousand? I need to be paying two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars to
0: be a director of sales, and then I don't have to babysit them. If you're gonna hire someone for that kind of money, your business has to be so successful and you've already run yourself completely d- to death, right? So how do you transition to the first employee? Like, is it you You have enough money for your expenses and them, or do you factor that once I get them in, I could do bigger things? Like when, when do you make that transaction? Is it even a financial thing when you make the decision to take on that first employee?
1: So the first thing I do when I'm working with people is I I have a thing called the six keys to success. And key number one is burning desire, right? Les Brown, you got to be hungry, right? (laughs) So if you're not hungry, what will happen is you'll take the weekends off. You'll try to leave early on Friday and, and you'll never probably get there. I've yet to meet somebody that has been uber successful that worked 35 or 40 hours a week. And I met a lot of people. It doesn't work that way. What you have to do is you kind of got to double down to double up right? So yep. you double down on the hours, you work 80 hours a week for a period of time. So you're doing two jobs, but you're only paying for one yourself. Yep. And then when you get enough momentum in sales, then you hand off to somebody else. So most people, what they do that struggle, they don't like sales. So they want to hire sales and they want to do the fun stuff. Well, guess who makes the most money? The sales department, Yep. which means it leaves less for you so one thing i'm good at is sales so i keep the sales job for a while till i've hired the other departments and taken the other hats off and then there's enough support so that sales can live on its own then i hire the director of sales
0: and then i'm out that's great that, that is a great answer i love it because it is the th- th- that's the hard part i i've hired and had to let go virtual assistants and it, it, there's a lot of that is the same problems. I just, I didn't have time to train them. I didn't have a proper training system. And then I found they weren't doing um, enough work to even pay them the $4 an hour. <laughs> I'm like, what, what is the point of this whole thing then? Right. Cause I'm still doing all the work. Right. So I think that it's, yeah, it, it's um, being busy, but working yourself up to, and maybe it's not, doesn't make sense to do these cheap employees But if I had someone who was local, maybe I could teach them more over my shoulder. And then here, you right. you, do this, you do this, you do this. And that way, may have actually got more value out of the employee than this virtual one that was working in the middle of the night when I was working during the day.
1: Yeah. And Glenn, you know what? Let's face it, it's not a lot of fun to document your processes, right? Why do people buy franchises? Because somebody who was very anal was able to go, okay for 30 seconds, you cook the burger on this side, then you flip it and they write it out in the manual and then they create a buzzer that goes off. And then they tell you that, you know, would you like fries with this? And they create the scripts, the dialogues, the system. So it's paint by numbers and you can pay people, you know, minimum wage to do it. And we could pay people minimum wage to do a lot of the work that you're doing. A lot of work you're doing and a lot of entrepreneurs are doing part of it is minimum wage work. It's 10, 15, $20 an hour work but because we haven't created documented it we can't we can't leverage it off to somebody in an effective way and you've forgotten more likely like a lot of people than you than you know you know so you're you're just intuitive with things you're handling things and if somebody had to sit in your chair and run your operations they would be overwhelmed because you have this unconscious knowledge yeah so you need to break that down document it and then give the lowest the D activities off to somebody while you continue on the front lines making sales. Then you can give the C activities, front lines making sales, the B activities until you can give up the A activities, the highest paid. And even if you leave, like I have some companies that can okay, make 10 grand a month and we make a million a year. It's not a ton I'm making, but I'm working one hour a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm okay with that.
0: Oh, that's, that's what you want. Like what we were talking about beforehand was I was talking about how I worked myself to death in 2020 and uh, was actually contemplating going to doing less uh, houses in 2021 in order to, so that my life didn't sacrifice, but maybe that's not the right way to be thinking about this at all. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it is the right way because what I did with, I took the
1: first three quadrants, right. Yep. I was an employee, like I'm an employee, I kind of work for Tony Robbins. He pays me like a salary, if you will, when yep. I go to an event, I'm self-employed. Cause I still do things in, in that area in my different businesses. Like I'll go as a speaker, kind of self-employed, but as a business person, I have several businesses, as I mentioned before, and I took all the money from those and I poured it into the investment and guess what? I sucked as an investor. Yeah. I invested in the stock market, didn't know what I was doing, lost all the money. I did second mortgages, hard money loaning, thinking I was this, you know, star realtor. I must know what I'm doing. And I didn't do the due diligence, lost $200,000 on a deal. Invested with my brother-in-law, literally in a gold mine in Australia <laughs> and lost $250,000. So. I, when I work with people, what I do is we, we give them a score in each one, one of the quadrants. How are you as an employee? How are you as self employed? How are you as a business owner? And how are you as an investor? And it's only been eight years now that I give myself an eight plus in the investment quadrant. And the last two years, I give myself a 9.5. I've had the best years of my life investing. Um, because I've surrounded myself. I will not take advice from somebody right now as an investor unless they're worth 100 million. That's my rule. Yep, that's a strong rule. It took me a while to get that seat in the room, yep. Glenn. It took me a while. Yep. But I have it now. And these people, for them, it's normal to get a 40% return. Like that's normal.
0: Yep.
1: yep. And so for most people, you know, there's single digit returns. We've been as a culture taught. Get six, eight percent RRSPs, 410 ks yeah. uh, You know, if you're going to go into real estate, it's risky and, and you got to work your ass off. And you know, you can, you probably get what, 25, 30% return on your real estate?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Usually, sometimes uh depends on what you're doing. If you're doing like a fix and flip loan, you don't have a lot of money into it. You flip, if you're flipping properties, you can easily double your money because a lot of times you're not putting a lot of money in. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Depending what you're doing, but yeah, for buying holds, yeah, you get them. Duplex or something, and you can run it at only around the 2% or 2.5% rule, and uh, you, can, you can make your good 25%, 30%. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a lot of people don't know that. I'm sure you teach it on your show is when, yeah. you, when you take the four ways you're paid, right? Appreciation, depreciation, uh, like the depreciation on the tax benefits, pay down the mortgage, and your cash on cash, your minor are usually just standard deals or 25 to 33% return. Well, what's average mom and pop doing that make $48,000 a year working, you know, as an accountant or whatever, um, they're putting their money in their RSPs and they're making nothing after inflation. So if they owned a few duplexes and they like, I bought a property in Montreal 21 years ago for $781,000. Oh my God. It was so hard Glenn to come up with the 125. like yeah like time that was like a million dollars. I scraped. I borrowed. I begged. Came up with $125,000 down. Today, the property is worth $5 million. I owe 1.5 on it, and I make $21,000 a month in cash flow. Love right? It. Yep. yep. So people don't realize that you don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>
0: the one thing you touched on a bit, a little bit whack, you're talking about, you know, stock market and different things. Do you think like, um, you know, you should focus on one thing or I also, I hear it both ways because you can focus on, oh, I know real estate. So I'm going to do real estate and I know uh, how to do burrs or I know how to do flips or I know how to do. Do I just focus on that thing? Or do I, I also hear the other side of the coin where you're like seven streams of income, right? So you should have like a, a business with a product and you should have the different pieces. Do you, do you think that that's just making yourself actually soft by diversifying or is it good to have that way? Which way do you think on this?
1: Well, I think there's a couple of camps. I mean, you're Warren Buffett. It's pretty much one thing, right? Just be really good at one thing, put all your eggs in the basket and then keep, keep your eyes on that one basket. But for me, I like being diversified. My father died in debt and he owed money to the government and I went into debt to bail him out. Yeah. And I did yeah. promise myself that would never happen. And when COVID hit, um, my real estate franchises suffered, yeah, of but yeah. my personal development companies did really well. So I like the fact that I'm in different asset classes, but I would say that, you know, I have 43 streams of income today. I'm 58 years old. People are like, how many do you have so many? Approximately every six months, I start a new one. So six months ago, I started a solar installation business because the next decade, that will be the gold rush. There'll be more installations of solar in the United States this year than in all the 40 years previous. So there's a boom happening there and I'm good at putting sales organizations together and everybody knows people that have, have a roof on their over their head yep. and there's government grants. It's not too hard to figure it out. Go and do a presentation to a homeowner and make a commission. Put together a sales team and then make a small portion of 100 salespeople make a larger commission without working that hard. It's the power of leverage. That's what I'm good at. So that's what I do. So I'm, I've been working that for four months now in another two months. Guess what? When I started Glenn, I knocked on doors. Yeah. I some I have to, I'm out there in Arizona knocking on doors and I'm saying to myself, I'm 58 years old. What am I doing? Right. But I understand that you gotta be willing to do whatever it takes. So I knocked on doors Then I made phone calls. I figured out the system and now I'm leveraging it. We went from a team of three to now we're a team of 21. We went from five sales a month to last month we did 31. So within a couple of months, guess what? Like we talked about before, Glenn, i I have the director of sales in place right now, Yeah. right? Yeah. We're just interviewing CFOs We're I'm filling in the spots. So every six months I kind of choose a niche. I'm opening up medical clinics in LA. Started that a little while ago. I have, believe it or not, um, an album coming out on iTunes tomorrow oh, yeah? that I started a year and a half ago, and it's basically a gentleman that worked with with um, people like uh, Jim Rohn and Bob Proctor, and they take one of my motivational talks, and they kind of wrap it out, right? Yeah. With some music. So I had a movie come out six months ago. It was a documentary I started three years ago. So when you do little things like five or 10 hours a week on your next venture, after six months, you got another stream of income. So I know it's a long answer to your question, but keep your main thing, your main thing,
0: and then start a sideline. And before you know it, you got another horse in the race. I love it. Um, you mentioned your company a couple of times, like, um, I'm guessing the personal development company, um, Let's let's talk a bit about your business before I let you go. Um, yeah. Before we actually, before we do that, one last question before we go there. Uh, what what does a day look like for you? Because you 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 have you're pretty um, passive, um, but like there is things you still have to do. Like what what is left after when you become. Uh, when, when I'm in my final days and I'm, you know, I'm not final day. That's the wrong word it. When I'm, uh, you know, when I'm, I've got to the, the point where I've been. I'm not a business, that old, Glenn. No, no. Like when I get to hey my. There, when, I'm, when I'm a business owner instead of a self-employed and I've got these right. other things like how how passive is it like what what is left what parts are you still in charge I'll give you the,
1: the big picture quickly and i'll give you the micro so yeah. i work monday tuesday wednesday mornings from basically 6 a.m until one o'clock okay that's my week the rest of the week is creative or whatever i want i still go to events as a student etc yeah. or i'll read or write or create content my typical day is I get up at four o'clock, I meditate for 45 minutes to an hour. I get to yoga at 5.30, six days a week, five days a week. Yeah. I do one hour of hot yoga. I get out of there from six, and because I'm on East Coast time, uh, West Coast time. Yeah. From 6.30 to seven o'clock, I check the stock market, my emails, my investments. Um, by seven o'clock, I'm spending about half an hour eating and walking the dog. And then 7:30, I'm at my desk on calls because it's 10:30 on the East Coast by then. Mm-hmm. And then I go basically straight through till 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, I take a half-hour break and I check my emails and I check in with what's going on with my assistant. I get back into meetings until one o'clock. Boom, I'm done. I can involve yeah. podcasts, it can involve checking in with the team, uh, doing an interview, whatever. And then I'm off to go golfing, or hang out with the family, or practice cornhole, or whatever the hell I feel like doing.
0: And, and you know what? Like, it's a hard schedule. Like, just listening to that, you have a schedule. Um, and um, I talked about this on my other show, but there's there, you know, there's boundaries, there's all this stuff. And by having a schedule, you 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 know what you're doing at this time. And people know when to contact you. They know when you're available, and they know when you're not available. And you don't ideally you can work everyone to calling you at certain times instead of getting basically, cause I spend a lot of my time on my phone. It's a lot of people business and it just slaughters you all the time. But if you have this strict schedule, you can basically have a, your voicemail say, Hey, I'm available from this time to this time. If you are looking for calls and it's urgent, but you, 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 you train people how yes. to interact with you. Well said. And you train yourself.
1: We're all addicted. Like society's trained us to these dopamine hits for their phone. And I was, I was terrible. I used to get up. The first thing I did was scroll through and check and this and that. So now I have my phone on airplane mode and I don't get to look at it until I'm out of yoga, which is right when the market opens. And I'm pretty big investor in the market. So, um, I want to know what's going on, but I give myself 15 minutes to look at it and make a decision. And then I move on to other things. I used to look at it 20 times a day. Yeah. And it's not yeah. healthy and it breaks your focus. The, the greatest asset, one of the greatest assets we have as humans is the power of our focus and the presence that I can give you or you can give another human, but we break it all the time. We've all become ADD, right? Yeah. And so I've decided that if everybody's ADD, what if I become the opposite? I become hyper-focused, committed, you know, 10 o'clock, I have 10 to 1030 to check my emails, to get responses, check with my assistant, make decisions. And then boom, I'm back into focused energy. So it's been a work in progress, Glenn. I can't say that I've always been as successful as I am on the cycle I'm on right now. I'm doing 75 hard. I work out twice a day now, um, you know, no alcohol and no binge eating of ice creams and stuff like that. And so I do that to discipline my body and mind to make sure that I'm still the boss, Right. Yep. when you when you do two workouts a day seven days a week for 75 days um working out three or four times a week mm-hmm. it's a cinch right yep. so when you discipline yourself that way when you make better decisions then making the tough decisions is easier and the more you say yes to the world the more you say no to your family
0: yeah it's deep i think this is going to be one of those episodes i have like probably 10 on my show that i i just re-watch every once in a while and i think this is one that really uh, helped ground me every once in a while to to, to get back to like you know because you, you, you get off track right you get off track Ooh. and you 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 get a little bit flexible with more things and you, you're you you will take more stuff into your life and make yourself busier for some freaking reason
1: <laughs> you don't even know why you just get caught up in the in the wave to go down the stream you know the river of life yeah wow if you go to a Tony Robbins event or any other event you've gone to, you feel great for a few days after you come back, right? Yes, definitely. Then what happens?
0: It, it slowly fades. Hopefully uh, you've made some notes that you can try to come back to where they don't quite look the same as when you were at the event. <laughs>
1: so you probably never be the same, but you might be 95% the same. So what if you had a group of people that you met with every week that also wanted to implement what had been learned or taught, and that we're going to hold you accountable, and going to challenge you, and going to support you, and remind you to lean into the things that you say that you want. I see you have a little girl running in the background there. Yeah. <laughs> you're a pop, so you're a papa. Yeah.
0: Have you taken her to Disney World yet? No. No. Would you like to? Yes. I'm going to wait for this whole COVID thing to pass, though. Yeah. <laughs> so how old is she? Uh, she is. Four in a week, yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: So if if you took her to Disney World, say as an example, when she's six years old, yeah, pretty cool age to go, right? Yeah. So after we hang up this call, you go to her and 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 do you have any other kids?
0: Yep, I got a six-year-old as well.
1: All right. So by the time they're six and eight, what if you sat down with them and you said, you know, you got a dad that's investing in the USA? but he's also a dad that's going to take you to Disney world in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, whatever you decide, yep. you put a chart on the wall and you say, here are the things that dad has to do in order to make that happen. And I want you guys to cheer me on and support me. I did this when I was a real estate agent. Um, I said to a lot of the kids were like, dad, when are you coming home? When are you coming home, you're always out at night. And I said, I'm out at night. Cause I'm going to take you to Disney world. And when daddy sells 40 homes, I'll take you. So we had a chart on the wall. And every time I walked in the door, if they were still up, they'd run up to me, daddy, 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 did you sell another house? (laughs) You have little accountability buddies. (laughs) How do you think I felt when I was out in the road that night, belly to belly at at somebody's house trying to make a sale? Did I want to go home and tell my kids, no, daddy didn't make a sale or was I totally present? Was I listening? Was I handling objections? Was I doing everything I could? Absolutely. So there's ways for us to get leverage on ourselves to take action. And accountability is sadly a thing that is underutilized. You will rise, Glenn, to the level of the expectations of your peer group. So I have purposely put myself in a peer group of people that want and expect me to be the best version of myself. And it's been a game changer. And so that's what I've done in personal development is I've taken... The pieces I thought were missing. Great. Go to Tony Robbins event, come home three weeks later. You're the same person. Basically. How do I know that? Because I went to these events and I would see people come back two years later, not even changed. Sometimes even worse Hmm. because they're like, Oh, I got the formula. I felt great. I went home. I couldn't sustain it. Now I feel like I'm a problem before. I didn't know how to be successful. Now I know how, and I'm still not, I must be an idiot. You follow me?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I help people get through that. And that's why we've created 74 whole life millionaires because the community helps you win. And so that would be my challenge is you bring that little princess to meet a bunch of other princesses, you choose a date, you get leverage on yourself. And then when you don't feel like doing something, you'll likely step up because people will do more for other people, especially the people they love than they will for themselves.
0: I'm going to build a chart. I just got to figure out all my, my pinnacle goals to do that. And I, I love that. I, I love it. So
1: by, by the way, I don't know when you say figure out your pinnacle
0: goals, what do you mean by that? That's, oh, this is going to get deep now. Cause you're like it, my goals, <laughs> you, you know, I used to make the goal of like, I wanted to get this many houses. And then it was like a certain amount of income and, that's where your goals start to get fuzzy as you hit them right Like, because you're like oh now I have to set new ones and I also I've heard this before too because you hear about like some of these rock stars that kill themselves when they're at the top because they've they hit all their goals and they don't that's what they they're so goal driven there's nothing to go farther um and that's where (laughs) funny thing is with my my real estate I was sort of trying to I guess I just have to make that into a goal, but my, my goal is to work myself more out of the business instead of working in the business as much. But the problem is that I've, uh, a lot of what I do in the business is talk to people. I, I talk on my phone all day. I, all day long, every day, half hour is probably an average call and I go do 10 of them, 20 of them every single day. <laughs> to do deals you mean? To do deals, to do, um, Relations with contractors and I'm working in several markets, Re- uh, relationship with the property managers, uh, the joint ventures, the private money, right. updates, updates, people yeah. who want to become part of the whole thing. And it, it's, it's all encompassing of your time. It, it,
1: <laughs> how would you, how would you say, do you spend enough time with your children based on what you would like or your wife would like?
0: Y- you know what I would say I didn't used to as much as I would like, but I've, Made it. I've just I've been like, no, this is uh, you know from dinner until they're going to bed. I'm like, that's that's it. Like they're you know those times because they're well, my youngest isn't in school yet, but the other one, uh, yeah, it that's when they're around, right? So I've just carved those times out, and I'm starting to try to carve more times out. Uh, there's been people who've been calling me on the weekends, and I'd be like, okay, send me an email, we'll schedule a call, and I also want an okay. agenda for the call. I'm not doing blind calls I'm yes. like, oh, let's have what is happening on this call because i am spending too much time on calls that are well sometimes i can just be like i've been making uh, templates on my computer because like i've covered this in my podcast you want to know how to do something go to episode whatever number and if you still have problems then contact me but i never get the call back because i've already covered it <laughs> so work myself out of some of these calls because it is time for temps. you yeah.
1: Every time you say yes to somebody else to say no to your family, right? Yep.
0: yep. So it's,
1: it's really, and that's why the, the mastermind group is so, so valuable because you and I would have conversations like this with four other people and a little princess too. Do
0: you want right? to sit with me? <laughs> no, no. She's running around.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we would have this conversation with four other people and we would all mastermind around this every week. And then we'd say, okay, what are you really doing to make it better? And then you come up with things like, okay, well, why don't you, why don't you once a day, Glenn, uh, from whatever, 1230 to one o'clock, put your phone on airplane mode and roll around on the ground with your kids and, you know, play lava river and whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and so when you get those ideas, but then you get to report back and you get to talk about how it went, it gives it meaning and it gives it life. It's really easy for you to do it once in a while because you got this idea, you read it in a book, but when there's no community to share it with, it loses its importance. Does that make sense?
0: Yep, no, I I know, I I do do get
1: it. And that's why, because remember what I said before is that the results that we all get in our life are in direct proportion to the expectations of our peer group. Well, what if you don't really have a peer group in COVID, right? You just kind of solo pilot, secret agent, whatever, then you cannot, people tell me, oh, I go, how do you hold yourself accountable? They go, I hold myself accountable. Bullshit, you do. Bullshit. Why do people go to yoga class or, or run a marathon together? Because you need to be held accountable by somebody else. Yep. We can't hold ourselves accountable. It doesn't work. When was the last time that you said, oh, I'm going to run every day? It was raining. You go, well, I don't feel like running today, right? <laughs> so it doesn't work that way. You need yeah. the leverage of other humans. We were meant to connect and communicate that way.
0: Awesome rock. If people wanted to take you up on this, uh, education or the group, um, wh- where do they find you? Where do, how do they put this all together?
1: Yeah. Uh, rockthomas.com. They can just go to my website and they can check me out there. Of course, on social media, you've got uh, YouTube, you've got my podcast called rock your money, rock your life yeah. and Twitter, all the other ones, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Clubhouse, blah blah blah, everywhere. everywhere. Um, yeah. uh, so that's that's the best way. And send me an email, rocketrockthomas.com. You know, uh, I, myself and my team will be in touch. And you know, we really just want to help people move from the left side of the quadrant to the right to leverage themselves to get the skill set. The skills pay the bills. And until you really get good at investing, like I finally did, is you'll work hard for the rest of your life. And um, even doctors that make six hundred thousand dollars, Glenn. They don't have freedom and they're typically bad investors because they're artists and they, they do what they do. So it's really important that you um, you learn how to become a better investor, better money manager, upgrade your money personality, and then become
0: financially free. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show, Rock. Uh, I, I do appreciate this one so much. I think, uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is one to re-listen to. And I think that every time I listen to it, I could probably pull something different out of it. Um so thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Well, two Canadians hanging out,
0: eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of my listeners are Canadian. Mind you, if I when I look at the iTunes stats, there is a bunch in northern uh the northern United States that are listening, but uh, oh, cool. A lot a lot I, of
1: I, I love the name of it. It was like it's really it's really smart, good marketing.
0: And, niche. Uh, it's direct. Yeah,
1: There's a, it is. yeah it is, it's great. So good. Well thanks for having me, Glenn. You're welcome.